welcome to the Intuitive Insights podcast series. I'm Nina Lockwood, founder and director of Intuitive Interim and Executive Search. Throughout this series, I will be sharing engaging conversations with talented leaders from across the UK transport sector. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Louise Cheeseman, Managing Director of Hull Trains. Louise joined the rail industry 20 years ago as a conductor and has worked her way up to her current role of Managing Director by consistently demonstrating her her strong leadership skills and her passion for the customer. I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I hope you enjoy listening. Thanks for joining us. A very, very warm welcome, Louise, to the Intuitive Insights podcast. I'm beyond delighted that you've agreed to come on and be my guest. Um, We've known each other, I'm guessing now, for just over seven years because you were at DLR when we first met. Um, You have never, ever ceased to um, continue to inspire me. Every conversation we have, everything I see you doing, um, and I'm delighted to give you this opportunity to kind of talk about your career, your thoughts on the industry, share some inspiration with, um, with our audience as well. So thank you for joining me. Uh, Louise Cheeseman, MD at Hull Trains, which I'm thank sure you. has um, had uh, its fair share of challenges, um, as we know, over the last few months, perhaps even more so than some of your uh, colleagues. Um, but first of all, let's talk about you. Before we get into the railway and before we get into Hull Trains, I'd like to know about your career, Louise. I'd like to know how you got into rail in the first place and and tell us a bit about the roles that you've done um, and the current role that you're doing as MD at Hull. Okay, well, thanks for inviting me on, Nina. It's, uh, it's, I, I take this as a great honour that you've asked me to come along because I've seen the other participants and I'm like, wow. Um, so where did my career start? Um, my career started with a conversation with one of my daughter's teachers. So um, I brought both my daughters up by myself um, and I went to an open night and the teacher said to me, you do know your girls are really bright, they're going to go to university. I was born and brought up in an era where you left school at 16 because you're going to get married and have children. So I never got the opportunity to go to university. I didn't have any insight into university life. I didn't know what it meant, how much it cost. So me being me, went home and started researching universities and suddenly went, wow, um, this is expensive. I work in a bank as a cashier, don't earn a lot of money. That's my only source of income. I need to do something quite quickly. So um, on a Wednesday in Hull, they used to bring out a newspaper with all the jobs in the middle of it. So I went rushing out every Wednesday to open the newspaper to try and find a job that paid a bit more than a bank cashier that would put both my daughters to the university. And one night, I remember opening a newspaper and there was a huge half-page advert about becoming a conductor for Northern Spirit, who were the operator at the time at my local station. And uh, I didn't look at anything else other than what they got paid. And I thought, they're getting paid twice what I'm getting paid. So I thought, I'm going to have a bit of that. Um, And I applied to the horror of my parents, who just couldn't understand why I would leave the reliable role of a a bank cashier to go and work on the railway. I duly got an interview and I went to the um, event, which was an all-day recruitment event, which I'll never forget walking in. There were 24 men and I was the only woman. So you can see it was at start of 2000 and um, we went through various different tests and each one 
the people that didn't pass got got uh, asked to leave. And by the end of the day, there were four of us left, obviously three men and one woman. I got called into the for an interview and the guy who was an external recruiter for the company said, got some good news and got some bad news. The good news is you've come top of the assessment centre. And I was like, wow, you know, I'd left school with a handful of qualifications, never really come top of anything much in my life. Um, but he said, the bad news is we're not going to appoint you because you're too posh. And um, I wouldn't want my daughter doing that job and you wouldn't miss, you wouldn't fit in the mess room culture. So <laughs> me being me, I was just so, no, 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 we're not having any of this. You know, I've got through this, this scheme phone, Square, you've given me the job. So we had about 10 minute debate about whether he was going to offer me the job or not. And he eventually went, okay, okay, I'll give you three months. And he, he recommended me, gave me three months and the rest is history. Um, and I remember my first day, I had a uniform where there was a lot of material at the front of my trousers because they were really meant for men. Um, <laughs> we didn't have ladies' toilets, so I had to go and use the toilets on the concourse. But all the same, it was the most amazing experience. And I did that for seven years. And I can say hand on heart, it was uh, one of the best jobs I ever had. Camaraderie, working as a team, meeting people, you know, every day was different. Um, and then somebody suggested that um, I thought about becoming a manager. And actually, by year seven, I was at the point where I was thinking, I was picking up on you know, some of the good and not so good practice of the management teams and thinking, well, if I was a manager, maybe I would do this or do that. So I thought, go on then, I'll give it a try. And, um, and I applied for a, a conduct team manager job in Sheffield, which wasn't my depot, because I made so many friends, I didn't want to manage them and it would have been awkward. And to my greatest surprise, I got offered the job. Um, so I went to work in Sheffield for two and a half years as conduct team manager. I then was offered the job as a standards manager in New York and then operations delivery manager in Newcastle. And it was at the point I got to Newcastle where things really started to change for me in my career. Um, it was the start of 2012 and it was the start of the preparations of the Olympic Games. And um, I think the turning point for me was one Monday night. And it's funny how you always remember certain things like where you were when Princess Diana died or John Lennon was shot. And I can remember quite clearly being in my kitchen and getting a phone call to say that um, I was uh, wanted in London for the Docklands Light Railway to um, support the delivery of the Olympics. And, uh, and I just said, uh, I think I've only ever been to London once in my life. Um, why would I want to go to London? And it was like, well, you, we're not really asking you, we're telling you. So one very wet Sunday afternoon, I packed my suitcase and went to York and caught the train to London. And I have to say, I was very sad. I did not want to go. Um, but it was actually the best thing that happened to me for my career because the confidence it gave me to go to London to support a, a, a railway that I knew nothing about. I knew nothing about London, nothing about driverless railways. Um, but that was um, at the start of 2012. We delivered the Olympics. And I have to say, it wasn't me. You see so many CVs where people are saying, you know, I delivered the Olympics. I didn't deliver the Olympics. I was one of many people. But it was one of the best experiences of my life. Um, what I saw, what I experienced, the people I met, um, and it was just absolutely amazing. And the confidence it gave me, turning up on the first day in London at 
popular word docklings like railways head offices this blonde girl from Yorkshire who they didn't even know I was coming no one had told them I was coming um, didn't you know you know they, they looked at me with a bit of suspicion I think at first but you know I've made again made some amazing friends that I've kept since then um, and I still keep in touch with um, so we delivered the Olympics we delivered the Paralympics I turned up the next day at the end of that on day one of back to normal and the depot was empty because there was nobody left they were all um, sort of contractors that they'd brought in and they asked me to stay um, I was only meant to be there for four months and um, they offered me the opportunity to work there full time and although my heart will always be in the north um, it didn't take me a lot of time to, to grab that opportunity because I, I recognized how much I could learn there and what the opportunities were um, so I sadly said my goodbyes to um, heavy rail and joined the light rail stroke metro stroke driverless world um, and while I was there I got the opportunity to go out to Sydney in Australia to support the Sydney light rail bid for Circa, um, supported the delivery of the Dubai metro um, and thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed my time there it was it was wonderful um, and again got opportunities I could never ever have dreamt of pre-joining the railway industry um, and then in 2015-16 I got the chance to go to um, Manchester and become a director which was something I'd always looked at as being a role that you know I would never be a director but actually when I got the opportunity to go to Manchester and help them to deliver the expansion program for Manchester Metrolink um, I jumped at the chance and I spent two years there um, helping support the delivery of the, the track extension to, to connect the two sides of Manchester city centre. Um, and then again got a call from the MD of Hull Trains one night saying, would I meet him for a coffee? Um, he'd got a proposal he wanted to put to me. And, and that's how I ended up coming to Hull Trains. And ironically, I, I went as a service delivery director of a business that I've looked at with admiration since it launched in 2000. I was a guard at Hull when Hull Trains was launched and I remember looking across the platform and seeing the girls in the long wool coats and the big brimmed hats and thinking that's their proper trains you know they're amazing they're going to London um, and to think I'd get the honour of coming back and actually working as the service delivery director as was the role that I went to originally mm. honour. and then um, six months later um, I turned up one day and was asked if I'd take as, over the role as interim MD and the rest is history. Um, I am here where I, where I am today. <laughs> Fantastic story. I love, I, I just love your story and you've, you've obviously given us a, a precise version because of, you know, we've got a, we've got a time limit today. Yes. There's so much in there, Louise, that I love hearing about and it still amazes me that it is actually only 20 years ago yes. when you were told that you couldn't have that job, even though you came top of the pile yes. because you yes. were too posh and essentially you were a woman. Yes. Um, it beggars belief, doesn't it? And that's what's given me the grit and determination to encourage other women. You know, I do a lot of work going into schools and talking to young people about um, a career in the railway because the rail, rail industry is so diverse. You don't have to be a conductor. You don't have to be a train crew. There are lots of other roles. You can go into engineering. You can go into accounting. And 
it was only when I actually got the chance to join the railway that I really became aware of what those opportunities were. And actually, if I can start to educate people and, and, and show them what you can be achieved, I didn't go to university, I left school with a handful of qualifications. But if you've got resilience, if you've got determination, in the rail industry, you can go as far as you want to go. There's nothing stopping you other than you. But I just think it needs more people to say that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You will hear no argument from me on that, <laughs> Louise. And I think in, in every conversation we've ever had, then I would definitely describe you as an evangelist for the rail industry. <laughs> and you are somebody that we can look at and say, yeah, do you know what? You made a decision and you gave me goosebumps when you told me that story about why you wanted to look for another role. Um, when you were a bank cashier. Yes. Um, so to, to support your family, to do what you could for your girls, um, which you've done so beautifully, um, yeah. and and to be able to do that and, and actually really enjoy it, find yourself in oh, an industry sector that it. you are clearly so passionate about is incredible. Yeah. Um, it's also an industry sector that, as we know, has had its challenges along with lots of other yeah. industry sectors over Certainly the last has. few months. It's been really difficult and, and extra difficult for open access operators yes. such as Hull Trains. Um, rather than focus on all of the kind of the, the stuff that we know that's like the, you know, it's been hard. Yes. What do you think are the opportunities, Louise, for the rail industry moving forward? What do you think are our opportunities to, um, for the future? Oh, I think they're huge. I think, um, you know, this is our opportunity to set the industry up ready for what the new world looks like. Um, I love the term build back better. I think, you know, we've got an opportunity now to bring trust back into the rail industry to our customers, our passengers to start to trust us again. I think, you know, there's, it's been well documented what's happened with timetable changes and the introduction of new fleet and all of those things. And they haven't all been our fault, if you like, but they're our problem. And definitely, you know, we've got this opportunity to create a culture that clearly demonstrates we put the passenger first. You know, what I love about Hull Train's logo, the heart, is I think can be shared in the industry. You know, we put our passengers at the heart of everything we do. Every decision we make going forward, we make it with the customer at the forefront of everything. Um, and I don't think that's always been the case. So, you know, when, you know, I love an expression I heard the other day from somebody is leave, leave your lanyards at the door. I understand the commercial challenges we have as owning groups, but actually when the chips are down and the customer needs to get from A to B, particularly during disruption, put your lanyards away, you know, let's all just get on and move these customers because actually it's, it's going to benefit us all we have to do something that's going to bring customers back. And I'm a strong believer that putting the customer first and proving that we really value them will bring people back. We've got to build that trust back. And I think we've got an amazing opportunity now with whatever the future holds in terms of um, you know, management contracts or ERMAs or whatever it looks like in the future. That's not for me to decide. But, but in terms of our role as an industry, it's about us all getting together sharing all the talent that we have so rather than different businesses working on the same projects why don't we all work on the same projects together you know in a room so we've got more consistency if a customer gets onto a train in Portsmouth or they get on a train in Hull or Leeds they get the same experience they can expect the same things to happen you know if you take the, the 
ticketing, how hard it is with the ticketing system at the minute, it's so complicated. We make it complicated when actually, you know, let's keep it simple, stupid. And, and I, you know, a lot of people are scared of the ticketing system, they're scared of the platforms because there's so many differences. But if we could have that consistency and we could all work together to create an industry that we're all really proud of, I'm incredibly proud of working for the rail industry. We all should be like that. You know, we all should be proud of saying we work for the rail industry. We want to make the country proud of us and to set ourselves up as, as leading globally in what rail looks like. And I think we've got an amazing opportunity to do that and draw on all the experiences that we have. And you look at the people in the industry, some people who you know, role models to me, let's, let's grab all of that and let's pull it together and let's create something that we can all look at with pride. And that will encourage people to want to join our industry as well, which is it can only be a, a good thing. Absolutely. Completely agree. I think there's been some great examples um, over the last six, seven months where collaboration has really kind of risen up as the I way agree. we do things in the rail industry. There's been some great feedback, yeah. um, both from the department, from the trade unions, as well as the owning groups and the talks. People have been working together. And certainly the people I'm speaking to have thoroughly enjoyed that new yes. way of working. It's a really yeah. positive way of I working. I would agree. And, and you know, I, I equally have seen some fantastic collaboration between MDs with RDG leading on it. And, you know, and it just shows what we can really do when the chips are down. There's nobody better than the rail industry to sort problems out. But we don't get that sort of feedback because people don't necessarily see it and we don't necessarily shout from the rooftops either you know people are very good at picking fault you know we all are we're all very good at thinking we can do the job better look at football referees and prime ministers mm. reality is there is some fantastic work going on in the real industry that doesn't get publicized well enough and this is our chance to to grab all the best practice across all the talks all the different franchises and let's make a go of this let's yeah. use this yeah. as a fantastic opportunity what do they say about you never waste, don't, don't waste a crisis? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So there's lots and lots that needs doing. And you've mentioned a few of the things there in terms of working closer together, um, fares reform, making things easier for customers. Um, lots and lots of things that are on the list. But I'm going to be a bit mean and say to you, you can have three things. If there was three things that you could have and we'd say, right, Louise, these are the things that the rail industry is going to focus on moving forward. What three things do you think will make the biggest difference that we that we can grab hold of? Um, firstly, communication. So I think particularly when things aren't going well, customers just want to know they want information, even if it's not particularly what they want to hear. You know, if their train has been delayed or cancelled or it's going to be an hour down the line or you've got to catch a bus or whatever that looks like, I genuinely think that, you know, we've got to get better with communication um, and we can do that jointly. I think, you know, that's, that's something that as a, a business we can all work together on. Um, secondly, I think we do need to make the ticketing system simpler. You know, I've worked in the industry since 20, since 20, 2000. And you know, even I'm a bit challenged sometimes because I'm, you know, I love talking to customers. So they'll often come up and ask me a question if they see my name badge on. And I'm ashamed sometimes to say I'm not quite sure of the answer and I should be able to. Um, then thirdly, without a shadow of a doubt, let's get more talent into rail. Let's get more women. Let's get more girls into rail. Let's make the railway industry look really attractive for people. 
And if we look like we know what we're doing and we're good at what we're doing and it's an industry that people can be proud to be a part of, that absolutely will, you know, the secondary offshoot of all the changes will be that we'll get some real talent into the business and, you know, and everybody will benefit from that. Absolutely. It is definitely one of my um, focuses. I think it has been in the last eight years since I've been in the industry um, to, 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 to talk to people about how great the industry is in terms of career. I think that we are one of the best kept secrets as an industry yeah. in relation to the opportunity and the excitement of the stuff that's going on um, in terms of change and transformation. And that's obviously only going to get more as yeah. we move forward. Well, I remember I went on holiday last year somewhere and um, I was in a bar having a drink with my husband and this couple sat at the table further down, started chatting to us. And uh, you know how it's like, what do you do for a living? And I think my husband mentioned that I worked for the railway and she said, oh, what do you do? So I said, I'm the managing director of a company called Full Trains. Well, she got up and she ran over to the bar and her husband was buying a drink for the time. And she dragged him back from the bar and she said to him, my husband, go and tell him, tell him what you do. And I'm like, what's this? And she said, she runs a train company. I said, I don't run the train company. I said, I'm just the MD of the train. And it was like I got two heads, you know. And by the time she'd finished, the whole bar knew what I was doing. And it was so embarrassing because I'm just not one of those people that shouts about what I do. I just do what I do and, and what have you. But it was her reaction was just like I was just, it just completely couldn't couldn't get over it and I thought I was pleased in the way but on the, in the other hand it was sad that she should have that sort of a response and it sort of tells us where we are at the minute um, about yeah, trying yeah. to get women into senior roles particularly I think we're getting a lot better at getting women into frontline roles mm. possibly middle management roles and heads of roles but I think beyond that it's how can we attract women to, to go that step further yeah yeah we're getting better but there's still a we long are. way to go yes Agreed. So you mentioned earlier, Louise, that there have been some role models. As you've gone through your career, there's been people who yeah. you've looked to and kind of, um, I assume if, if anything like me, it's kind of, oh, yeah, I'll take a bit of that personality yes, and I'll absolutely. kind of borrow a bit of that in terms of how I operate. Um, no doubt also people that you've thought, well, I won't be doing any of that. So yeah. as, you've, as you've gone through your career, um, and you've seen different examples of leadership. Can you can you kind of? Um, I'm not na- asking you to name names, although well, you I'm happy can to name us. someone. <laughs> yeah, I'm absolutely happy to name somebody. So I, I can remember um, Diane Crowther, without a shadow of a doubt, was my absolute role model, and she was a person who who gave gave me, and she doesn't know this, but she gave me the the, the that little push to think, yes, as a woman, you can. You can do more in the rail industry because one day she came to she came to present some some certificates and 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 I'd been lucky enough to get one of them and um, and after the event I was leaving the um, the fort the you know the theatre and she called my name and asked me to, to go and have a word with her. Well, I'm a conductor. I'm one of hundreds of them, and she's Diane Crowther, and I'm like wow and. The fact she knew my name and she took me to one side and she said, you know, you've got some real talent and if you really want to get on, you know, you go for it. And I've never forgotten that. And I don't think she knows the impact she ever had on my career, but she was the person that made me um, develop my career or gave me the, the confidence to develop my career. And 
you know, and I, I'll never forget that. And, you know, I, I came into the industry relatively late. I was 40, so I wasn't young. Um, you know, most people, when they sort of reach 40, think, well, you know, I am where I am and, and, and that's, that's where I'm going to stay. But the fact that she knew my name um, and, and she'd clearly heard something about me just blew my mind. And, and from that point onwards, you know, I've always watched what she's done. I've always watched where she's gone and the different roles that she's had. And um, she's been a huge influence. And if I could be half of what she is and have that impact on one other person as she had on me, then as far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, my career, I would be absolutely delighted. Fantastic. That's brilliant. It's actually uh, just by pure coincidence, Diane's fault that we're sitting here having this conversation because I had a catch up call with her in the summer and she said to me, Nina, you should do a podcast. And I was like, what? This this sounds like a comfort zone experience. You know, I'm not sure about that. And she said, you should absolutely do a podcast. She said, you know, some really interesting people in this industry should get them on you should do a podcast oh, well. so so there we go she's oh, it's her keep crossing diane and i but we never really meet <laughs> we need to put that right don't we yeah. definite. um i know clearly you're very very passionate about what you do um for, for you what is it that kind of um gets you out of bed in the morning in terms of inspiring you and motivating you for me at the minute at Hull Trains is slightly different. So for me at the minute, it's all about let's keep this business going. You know, I am just so passionate about keeping Hull Trains going because there are a lot of people, both in the business and in the supply chain, um, that are affected by, you know, Hull Trains not being there. Uh, equally, you know, in terms of the economy of Hull, it's needed. Um, and, and also because, you know, pre-coronavirus, we were at a point where, you know, we were an educator, we were an employer, we supported charities, you know, we did a lot for the community, you know, I was insisting that we use local products on the train, local advertising, whatever we could do to support the, the region. Um, so we are so important to Hull and the region, and, and I'm so passionate that we will continue to have the name of Hull emblazoned in the capital on a platform in a station whether it's King's Cross or as last weekend was St Pancras um, and that at the minute is what gets me out of bed and you know I'll be kicking and screaming um, before it 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 ends at the business ends so so at the minute there's a lot of people are looking to me personally to to make sure that that happens and you know I'm, I'm just so committed at the minute to making that happen but equally you know, I want Hull, I want people to see that, again, Hull Trains can give them opportunity for employment and we can help educate by it. We do a lot with the university and with other employers in the city. So, you know, we are so much more than just a train operating company. We are different in that respect. So, you know, again, getting up in the morning, you don't know what you're going to face and it's that, that you know, every day is different bit. So, you know, rather than, you know, feeling depressed and down about what's going on, I just see every day as an opportunity. Um, and it just excites me. And, and it's, it's always been like that from the, the 2nd of January 2001 when I turned up for <laughs> my first day at conductor school. It's, for now, it's, it's been like that. Brilliant. Do you know what, Louise? If there's anybody that can make this happen... It is you because you've got you've just got you've got passion and you've got drive and you've got commitment in spades. So we should be watching with interest. One more thing before I let you go. 
Yep. Um, I'm always fascinated to um, to hear what quotes people use in their life, you know, and the, and for some of yep. us, they're, you know, we've got quite a lot of them. I've got them stuck yep. all over my wall in my office. Um, is there a quote that has particularly inspired you due, during your lifetime or something that yep. you kind of go to to kind of give yourself a bit of a pep talk? Oh, absolutely. Um, and it's probably one loads of people use as well. It's uh, feel the fear and do it anyway. Um, I've got the book. It's so well thumbed. I'm going to have to buy a new one. Um, every single role that I take on, my husband says to me, go on, tell me you can't do it. Go on, tell me you can't do it. And, you know, he absolutely um, has been my biggest supporter. And, you know, and every time I, 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 somebody offers me a new role, my first reaction is, I can't do that role. Um, but then you know feel the fear and do it anyway and that that's that's what my mantra has been and you know and my husband will often remind me of that when I come across a challenge that I don't think I can can take on he'll just say to me just remember what you keep saying to yourself and you know and it's a it's a I'd recommend the book to anybody um, it's got some fantastic um, suggestions in it and tools to deal with you know, people who've got worries and concerns about, you know, just taking that next step. Um, so, yeah, I live and die by that book. It's my Fantastic. Bible. That's one of my favourite books. I think it's 20 odd years ago now. Yes, I was is. still yeah. working in banking when yeah. I read it. Yes. Um, and it is a brilliant book that I go back to time and time again. And it's yeah. one of my favourite quotes as well. Yes. So, um, so Louise Cheeseman, MD of Hull Trains, I would like to thank you again for joining me on the Intuitive uh, Insights you. podcast thoroughly enjoyed talking to you as always um, and I wish you the best of luck with your career as I said if there's anybody that can sort this out it's you and I shall watch with interest to see you just going from um, from strength to strength thank you thanks Nina my heartfelt thanks to Louise for joining me on this episode of intuitive insights the next episode will be with you in two weeks' time when I'm joined by Caroline Donaldson, Managing Director of West Coast Partnership Development and Shadow Operator for High Speed 2. Please join us then.